but I think we're good to go. So I'll just yeah. say, hi, I'm Trevor and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast where we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of November 2023, and it is once again that very special time of the month where we do our very special Tales from the Shelf episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my good buddy Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? It's great to be back. It's going well. Uh, it's going. Let's say it's going swell. It's even better than well. Um, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, always glad to have you, Brad. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show format here, folks, a Tales from the Shelf episode uh, is essentially where Brad and I, uh, who of course is from the Cinema Speak podcast, a movie review podcast, I as well do a movie review podcast. Check it out, please. Like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Um, as you may have noticed in the background of both of our webcam feeds here, we both have uh, pretty expansive physical media collections. Uh, so that would be DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs. Uh, and basically, these monthly episodes are our excuse uh, to share stories about our, our collecting endeavors. Uh, I often find that people who are not hoarders um, <laughs> often have stories associated with with the things that they choose to bring into their home. Uh, and, and so the theme for this month uh, is a little something that I've dubbed uh, partner picks. Uh, we like to do a litter of titles here. Um, so the gimmick this month, and we always have a gimmick, uh, is that both Brad and I have significant others in the form of girlfriends. Um, and today we're going to be talking about movies from our collections that we would like to, meaning have not already, uh, would like to share with our significant others uh, some movies in our collections that we'd like to share with our girlfriends. Um, so, Brad, I, I figure like normally this is the part of the show, folks, where I toss Brad under the bus and ask him to share his first pick. Um, but I'd like to just like slow things down for a second and maybe start things off by just like talking about our respective girlfriends' uh, tastes in movies, or at least our perception of their tastes in movies, being as they're not here to speak for themselves. So I'm going to toss you under the bus anyway, Brad, and ask uh, your significant other. What what kinds of movies do you think they gravitate to? What do you think they're about when it comes to movies? Oh, she's a big cinephile. Uh, you know, she watches a lot of like uh, Tarkovsky flicks, <laughs> um, a lot of Bergman, you know, that kind of thing. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, but <laughs> no, um, I guess like, you know, she likes a lot of, you know, stereotypical chick flicks. But in terms of the stuff that we like to watch together, um, generally like, uh, you know, thrillers, whodunits, uh, murder mysteries, those kind of things are more uh, the stuff that we really like. I mean, she's really big into um, Disney films. That's kind of the main one, I guess I should lead off with. Um, which, you know, I, I, I like Disney, uh, to some extent, and, uh, she definitely likes it more than me, but yeah, when I think of like the stuff where it's like stuff that she hasn't seen that I want to show her, it's kind of stuff in that vein. Like, you know, if it's in like the vein of like a, uh, the scream or something like that, or <laughs> a while ago, I forget what kicked it off, but we did a little bit of a, like, um, in the mid two thousands, there was like a run of movies um kind of like 
just like like thrillers sort of on the edge of horror like um there was i think we did joyride vacancy a perfect getaway you know these movies that kind of generally have some kind of twist at the end and uh uh you know that that kind of stuff is the stuff where it's like if i watch one of those movies my gosh she would love to watch that ah gotcha it actually it sounds like there's a decent amount of <laughs> we got a chat bot at here that's lovely um it is a live stream folks if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast but yeah we definitely have a bot in the in the chat here <clears throat> we'll just go ahead and ignore that um so uh sounds like there's actually a decent amount of like crossover between your gal and my gal's uh tastes in movies uh, not so much in terms of the disney stuff but the the whodunit the the thriller aspect of things mm-hmm. um my girlfriend's very much into whodunits and uh, like any sort of like mystery box kind of structured uh, program in particular show format is something that yeah. works for her. She has a strong preference um, for shows over movies. Um, it's it's the kind of thing where narrative and uh, character are, are her primary motivators when it comes to engaging with with media. Is if it has a, if it has a strong narrative and characters that she can really sink her teeth into and really get swept up in, that's that's what really drives her. And a show format just offers her more time essentially to spend with those characters. And sometimes that creates conflicts where it's like, uh, if she doesn't like the characters, like there's there's an increasing trend in movies where we have a, a lot of unlikable protagonists these days. And I think it's a uh, made things kind of difficult for her to like find movies that appeal to her because oftentimes she likes to like her characters. Um, but on top of that, uh, as you said, chick flicks, rom-coms, she's into that. The trashier, the better. All those Christmas Netflix shows she watches them. She hate watches them. Um, musicals as well. She is a trained singer, so that's always going to be a thing for her. And sci-fi also. Uh, she really hmm. bites hard for sci-fi. Interesting. Um, both both of the Star Warsian like more fantasy variety, but also hard sci-fi. Like the Expanse was a show that she really really liked, um, and also uh, I I didn't watch it with her because she blew she blew through it so fucking fast that I couldn't even get to it. Uh, Severance. Uh, she was really into Severance, mm. which, uh, from what I understand, has some sci-fi elements uh, and has some mystery box kind of stuff. It has a compelling mystery that, that like pulls mm-hmm. you along throughout the whole thing so it, it checked a lot of boxes for her um but yeah i guess that kind of sets the stage for for who we're picking for essentially uh so now brad uh for the second time on the same episode i'm going to toss you under the bus again and ask uh what's going to be your first partner pick well, I'm going to go and do the uh, all that stuff I said about what she likes. This is the exact opposite of that. So for yeah. my first pick, just ignore <laughs> everything I just said. Reason I'm pulling off this first pick is because there's a kind of funny backstory to it involving not my uh, current girlfriend, but an ex. There's a bit of a, a story involving an ex-girlfriend on this one. So the the movie in question <laughs> is uh, the movie Compliance, which uh, is inspired by true events. Now, so here's the, let me set the stage for this. Now, this movie is not a fun watch. It is a very disturbing true story 
uh, involving sexual assault and, uh, you know, just not a, not a fun Sunday afternoon kind of watch. Like, you know, you really got to be in the right mood for it. Well, picture this, I'm in college, freshman year of college. I, I had not seen, this was the first time watch. I'm in college watching this. I'd, I'd heard it got good reviews. It was made by the guy who did homestarrunner.com. I said, all right, I'm in, let's do it. Um, and I'm in my dorm room watching this movie and my, my ex-girlfriend, my girlfriend at the time, she walks in, you know, maybe 20 minutes in the movie. She's like, Oh, are you watching a movie? I go, yeah, it's compliance. She goes, okay. All right. And, uh, you know, sits down. I'm like, yeah, join me. I'll watch this movie. And I, I mean, I kind of knew what it was about, but not like totally. Um, let's just say about 45 to eh, maybe 50 minutes into the movie. She, uh, gets up and sprints out of the dorm room, uh, basically with tears in her eyes. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and, um, of course I finished the movie. Um, I'm like, I'll deal, I'll deal with that later. Uh, finished the movie and you know, at the time I think I, I think it was, yeah, I think I was able to text. Yeah. I had texting. It was, you know, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. No, it Jesus wasn't that long man. ago, <laughs> but I, I say, Hey, the movie's over. What's up? Why'd you rush out in the middle there? And, uh, I, I think we, I meet up in person and she's just like, clearly this was early in the relationship. She goes like, I had no idea you like those kind of movies. <laughs> <laughs> like well i mean listen i i mean if, if you can't i mean it, it, compliance is a very fucked up movie and it's very dark and disturbing but like listen if you can't handle that then uh you, you better cut cut line and cut hook line and what's the cut cut hook line and bait hook, what's the phrase cut your bait and hook, hook cut the yeah. hook is it fish or cut bait but yeah you're you're done fishing <laughs> cut your bait because <laughs> Yeah, there's there's no way you're going to survive Ebola syndrome if you can't handle this. Come on now. <laughs> so that's just uh, always always a funny story. And, you know, um, it, it's a, a bit of a thing where it's like, OK, obviously, like, I'm not going to be like, like, you know, obviously back then I wouldn't have been like, hey, it's date night. You want to watch compliance? Like, obviously. But, you know, she walked into the middle of it. What was, uh, <laughs> hey, what am I supposed to do? Say, uh, get out, get the hell out of here. So. You know, it just and not that I think Lizzie would like this movie, although it is a bit of a true crime kind of thing. So actually, maybe she wouldn't hate it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, for those that don't know, it's about um, basically it tells the story of uh, uh, a prank caller who called this uh, fast food restaurant and basically um, said he was a police officer and said that one of the employees stole and basically like tells the manager to lock her up in a room and he he goes through this whole thing including like having her stripped down because he says that she has money on her that she stole and the whole thing is the manager goes with it even though it's just a guy on a phone a prank caller he's not a real cop so it's the kind of thing of like how far would you go without questioning authority sort of thing um and it it's the kind of movie where watching it the first time again i i kind of knew the premise but i didn't know how far it would go like you're watching this movie and I was personally thinking like, okay, this is where they take it. This is where they stop the real story and they exaggerate it. This is where it goes. Okay. This obviously didn't happen. And then you get to the end of the movie and you look it up and it's like, no, everything in this movie as unbelievable as it is did happen, which is insane. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really dark 
cautionary tale sort of thing. Um, and I think it's it's well performed. I like the direction. It really gets under your skin. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know if I would ever show it to my girlfriend, but uh, just in terms of just being curious how she would react if she would run out of the room crying. Um, I, I, I would just be curious in that regard. So yeah, compliance. Maybe maybe someday we'll cross it off the list. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it was not meant to be um so uh first question is what's the name of the director because you did mention that they did homestar runner which i was alive back then i'm familiar yeah. but what's the fellow or uh craig name? uh zobel craig zobel craig zobel uh, which uh, do, you, do you know if they've done other things yeah he did uh the hunt um the oh. damon lindelof yeah which i yeah, yeah. quite liked um, and he did, he did a couple other, he did another movie that I wasn't a fan of, but he, he worked on, uh, the leftovers, the Damon Lindelof show. So I, I quite like, uh, this guy. He's not like, he hasn't done a ton of work, but, uh, this and the hunt, I both really enjoy those. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's a pretty interesting filmmaker and I'll, I'll always be curious to check out his stuff. Yeah. I had not heard of compliance, but now I'm kind of intrigued. Like, I'm curious what what sort of things happen in this movie that somebody would say that to you after having watched only a few minutes of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a point where you'd probably get to the part of the movie and you'd be like, "Yeah, that's where she ran out." Okay, yeah, and yeah, that about checks. Um, yeah, yeah, and I'm very intrigued. And also, like, I agree, the hunt was actually a, a pretty solid movie. Like, it clearly low budget, but like they were they clearly had an agenda with what they were trying to accomplish with some of the allegory and with, with some of the, the writing that was going on in there, uh, decent violence and, and action as well. Um, Betty Gilpin is the, is that the actress's name that headlines that one? Yep. Yep. She's, she's really good. Um, I, I have been, I've been like, I've noticed her in at least a couple of roles here and there, like even stupor. She's in it for like a couple of minutes here and there, but she kind of stands out. So I was very impressed with what she did in the hunt though. Cause that was a really unconventional performance in a movie that probably didn't necessarily like the movie didn't even need that, but her, whatever she chose to do with that character really, really added a lot to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll have to look this fella up, see what else he's done, because he, he I also, had no I just, idea that that was his background. <laughs> yeah. And I just looked him up. He also directed, um, I forgot about this, all the episodes of the miniseries uh, with Kate Winslet, Mayor of Easttown, um, which is kind of a detective sort of uh, mystery miniseries uh, that was on HBO a couple of years ago. And I watched that. I thought that was that was good as well. So, yeah, I, I like him. I mean, he's only done a few films, but even when he's working in TV, he definitely... Uh, generally seems to elevate the material um and uh yeah this was kind of the first one other than homestar runner of course this was the first one where i really uh really saw him yeah i i didn't know mayor of east town was something you'd done but you did mention damon lindelof he's done some collaborations with like plural like more than one Mm -hmm. that's that's a good thing that's a good name to have on your resume especially in tv and stuff but um mayor of east town i always think of as that show that made everybody uh, made a trend of people talking like my dad and his his niece, <laughs> like the the accent uh, that was yeah. that was in that show, like like highlighted quite quite a lot in that show it was kind of a meme for a while, and I was like, they just sound like my my <laughs> they just sound like my relatives. <laughs> what the fuck? 
Yeah. Um, didn't watch it myself, but I do remember it. It made a big splash. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to check that one out. Kind of kind of seems neat uh, mm-hmm. to me anyway. <laughs> it probably sounds like a nightmare to a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. OK, so my first pick here, I don't I don't have any fucked up shit, Brad. Uh, I don't I'm. I'm not I know my limits when it comes to what I can and cannot show to the girlfriend. Like I actually I, got I like away. to push the limits. I like to push the limits. You're an instigator, Brad. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're Woody fucking Woodpecker. Yep, yep. <laughs> Brad Brad is a meddler. He's a noodler. He, he's gonna yeah. poke you. <laughs> That's what he does. Uh, but I do have limitations. Like like I actually got away with uh, some stuff early on in the relationship. Like I, I did sit the girlfriend down and make her watch the thing uh during mm-hmm. the winter time uh pretty early on uh and she was kind of okay with it like aliens and alien was she loved alien aliens had a couple of jump scares that she's still upset with me about she's like that was not cool <laughs> i'm like wasn't that scary <laughs> she's like no the timing was not cool i was very comfortable and then the movie didn't let me be comfortable mm. i was very upset about it. so in general scary movies are kind of off the table uh so i i've just kind of given up trying to make that work um so what i do have though here this this is the fun part of the show folks is where we kind of bounce the ball back and forth and try to try to kind of like make a sensible transition i just disclosed that i don't have a sensible transition so i'm gonna fabricate one on the fly here uh you mentioned college so I have I have here a Blu-ray in my hand from uh, oh looks like they self-published it that's pretty cool. Um, so I have here a Blu-ray in my hand from a filmmaker that I went to college with, and I've talked about this before with Brad, but uh, that was probably a long time ago. So we're gonna do it all over again. You can you can walk away for a bit, go get some coffee or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is a feature film that was directed by a friend of mine uh, who I saw. Uh, in Portland not that long ago uh, by the name of Sean Parker. And it was co-directed by him and uh, his buddy, uh, Austin Hillebrecht. Uh, and this is Coup de Cinema. Uh, and this was put out by Hapstance Films. You can see that up there, Hapstance Films Production. That is the name of their, their company, essentially. Uh, and it had origins as like an online-only kind of thing, but uh, they have grown quite a lot. Um, Austin and, and Sean both work in the film industry, um, but they have a really, really big project that they're currently working on uh, called Fogtown. Uh, you can look it up on social media uh, or go directly to the the website right now. Uh, just look up Fogtown. And it's like a it's like a Sherlock Holmesian kind of farcical detective show uh, shot with hand like like puppets, uh, like lovingly handcrafted puppets. Um, shot on the volume, uh, meaning the same technology that they use to shoot the Mandalorian. Uh, so they're using CGI constructed uh, digital sets, um, which move in time with live camera movements. Uh, so basically, the sets and the props are largely constructed like photorealistically in, in CGI, and then the characters are hand puppeteered live in front of the camera from from shot to shot. I they've been documenting the process of filming this thing very extensively. I think they have the blessing of the city of Portland uh, to work on the show. That's a big deal. Uh, actually was 
I was like scheduled to actually do some puppeteering, but unfortunately they had like one of the puppets died. <laughs> like I think the head literally came off. Oh, uh, so I, I, I did get to see my buddy. Thankfully I got to see Sean Parker. We got to hang out for a bit. He got to meet the girlfriend actually uh, connections revolutions. Uh, speaking of partners, uh, he got to meet her for the first time or not. No, it's a lie. Second time. Uh, but anyway, uh, we got to hang out. I didn't get to do any puppeteering or anything, but yeah, this movie uh, he made, in 2014 is when it was released, but obviously it was being filmed and post-production was being done uh, prior, like at least a year, maybe probably more prior to that. I did walk on, walk in on the filming of it at least once where I was just like, Hey man, you want to hang out? And he's like, <laughs> like busy, like directing a set. And I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to the cafeteria. You want to hang out, man? <laughs> Cause it was like, post-college years and i still had pretty strong ties to the campus where he was they have a a, a studio uh it, like a news studio essentially uh that has a massive green screen um that, that he was utilizing for filming certain scenes in this film um so he was still filming on the campus even though he wasn't still attending the college basically so i i still was living in the neighboring area so occasionally i'd just like show up on the campus but yeah this movie's a lot of fun. Uh, the title comes from, uh, it's kind of like a heist film, but it's a heist of a movie production. So it's basically uh, a frustrated young aspiring filmmaker gets involved with like a, a trauma-esque, like kind of apathetic, uh, not so great. Like th they don't have it together. Like they're, they're kind of all out of sorts film production company and everybody's kind of apathetic and, and worn out. And then this plucky young guy shows up and he's like, I want to make pictures. I want to make actual movies. So he takes it upon himself to convince like the crew members and the actors and everybody to come in and like reshoot the dailies um, in the evening hours. So basically they're remaking the film parallel to the making of a, a shitty film. Mm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a heist of, of a film production essentially. Um, and they get into all sorts of shenanigans and stuff. It's very lively. It's very fun. And for me, of course, obviously, carries a lot of personal novelty factor in the fact that it's like, you know, my friend made it. And I, when he shows up for a director cameo, I know who he is. Like, it's it's not just some random bystander or something. And the star of the movie, Austin, was best man at his wedding. They're like best buddies. I've hung out with him a little bit. We've We've talked like it's really cool seeing him headline the fucking film. He is a very talented actor. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, I don't know how widely available this Blu-ray is. Um, I basically just said, Hey, that movie you made uh, that I saw a while back. Can I, like, can I have it in some way? And he was like, yeah, just shoot me a couple bucks and I'll print you a disc. I was like, okay. <laughs> so, so now, so now I get to say that I'm a proud owner of a movie that my friend made. Uh, and I've watched it a handful of times. I reviewed it back in the day. Um, and yeah, it's it's just a cool thing that it, it's it's kind of neat, like knowing that people around me do things like that. And, and now it's on my shelf. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool premise. I do. I do love the premise. I know you've told me about it before. Um, do you know, is there like is that available to rent or is it like uh, on prime at all or like if there is a way to watch it other than the uh rare blu-ray that someone would have to steal from your collection <laughs> uh oh wow uh, it is available on amazon prime at the very least uh, you can rent it uh and let me see can you purchase it 
Uh, yeah, you can purchase rent and purchase digitally uh, via Amazon Prime. Nice. Yeah. So you, it is widely available. You just have to look for it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Has he worked on anything since then? Uh, or I'm trying to remember if you talked about it. Uh, he has been doing production work, so not like directing as far as I know. Um, but he's been doing a lot of shorts um, for uh, like their YouTube series and stuff. Uh, some really high quality short films. One of my favorite ones is one that he made. Um, it was basically inspired from a really antagonistic like Reddit thread where somebody was attacking him on Reddit, like ultra aggressively. Mm. Um, it turned into this like bizarre, like lengthy back and forth between him and this random stranger on the internet. And it turned into this saga and it was inspiring to him. Uh, not actually it was, it was inspiring on a variety of levels because apparently he was actually legitimately in kind of a creative rut at the time or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of that, that little jolt to his system kind of kind of got everything firing, got those synapses firing again. And he was like, yeah, I, th- I think I need to make a thing out of this. <laughs> like, and so he made a short little film out of it. It's actually really neat. Like it, It's really snappy. It has a lot of great humor to it. And that's kind of one of his trademarks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he, he's he's a working filmmaker for sure. I'm sure you can look him up on IMDb and just find his credits. Austin actually. Um, uh has has done a fair amount of acting. He does a lot of motion graphics and um, a lot of graphic work, work like animation and such. Um, he's actually on a, I think an episode or two of Grimm, uh, that mm. show from back in the, the fantasy oh, show yeah. from back in the day. Um, it was filmed in Portland, uh, and I remember it just so happened that the girlfriend um, was watching all of that show, and then I. I walked into the room and i was like hey i know that guy (laughs) (laughs) i mean i knew he was in the show but just the timing was kind of beautiful because she just happened to be watching the episode that he was in and i was like hey (laughs) what up (laughs) that's cool do you know uh is sean uh sean parker is that his name yeah is he on letterboxd he's got to join all the other filmmakers on there like mike flanagan's on there now uh scorsese's on there you know, I actually haven't looked him up to see if he's on Letterboxd, but I'll have to poke him about that because, I mean, really, that that's something that most film enthusiasts should have. Like, I, yeah. I, I would love to convince Kyle to get that someday because I'm sure he has thoughts that he'd like to get out into the world oh, yeah. somewhere. Yeah, he, he's have... largely averse to being on social media in, in any form, and that includes yeah. Letterboxd. I mean, the great thing with Letterboxd is if you want it just for yourself, you can make your account as pro. You can not follow anyone. You can have nobody follow you. I mean, you can just use it for yourself. I mean, that's what's great about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, I did see that Mike Flanagan did start an account and I think he was he was tossing some shade at Netflix uh, about what was it? Midnight Mass still hasn't like it's not on the docket to be ever released in a physical format. And it's kind of grating on him. Yeah, I don't know if that's why he's uh, leaving Netflix. His next project is with uh, Amazon. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but uh, he's definitely he's a big physical media guy, um, which is cool. But you got to be careful when you're a filmmaker who joins Letterboxd. First of all, do not uh, review and log. Well, first of all, certainly I would say don't review it. Don't log it. But above all, please do not rate it. Ooh, that is gross. When I've seen there's some filmmakers 
not to point names, but I, I want to say uh, the guys who did Becky, the one guy I follow him. I think he rated his movie five stars. Not a fan. Um, yeah, that that's that's a faux pas. That's yeah. just not done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's also that I'm, I'm actually surprised because I a lot of filmmakers on Letterboxd, like they don't do star ratings because, you know, if you're in the industry, like it's a, like it'd be a little tacky to say like oh, my coworker, like this person I work with, it's only a two point five for their project. So I get that. But uh, this, the guy who directed Becky, he uh, he he like he calls it like he sees it like he's he i don't know if he's just not big enough yet like i feel like if he got any bigger he'd be like all right maybe he'd cool it but um yeah some of the some of the ratings and reviews he gives i'm like yikes he's gonna go to see jason blum someday and he's gonna be like oh but it appears that you uh you you downvoted our 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 pool horror movie that's coming out very soon that i can't remember the name of <laughs> yeah night swim i think night swim i sent i sent brad the trailer to night swim because it looks it looks so shit i was like what is this what is this concept ah shit but yeah that that if i was currently working in the industry if i was a working professional in that industry I, yeah i don't think i would want to do star ratings just just you know, to secure my future in the end said industry. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I love the guy. I, I do really like the guy there. Yeah. Yeah. I liked Becky. Great guy. And I'm not, I'm not even gonna call him out by name, but, uh, he, <laughs> the Becky he, he, yeah, the Becky guy logged, uh, a haunting in Venice, the Kenneth Branagh film. One star. He gave it one. Star. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's harsh that not even being in the industry like buddy you better hope you kenneth brana doesn't uh you you never get in you never try and cast him in one of your movies because he's gonna come down on you good luck <laughs> one star you guys this guy's out of control <laughs> yeah like i saw that i'm like holy fuck like so yeah. okay very well, that's enough out of me and my ultra indie movie. Um, Brad, what is your next partner pick? All right. This next one, let's go with uh, this one's a little bit of a gray area because so it's a it's kind of a whole franchise. And the gray area is that she's watched bits and pieces of this franchise. Um, and uh, let's just let's just not uh, let's not delay this any further. It's the child's play franchise, Chucky, the Chucky franchise. Um, now, I w watched this franchise front to back the movies last year. And, you know, I kind of just was watching them without her, but she'd be in the room and she'd watch some of them and, you know, she'd pick up here or there. Um, but then I started watching the Chucky TV series. And this just might go along with um, how, uh, you know, pe some people prefer the series format. But um, she uh, started watching the TV series with me and she actually got hooked in it. And she actually now that's one of the shows we watch. She loves the Chucky show. She's a huge fan. So we want to go back and have her watch all the child's play movies from the beginning. Here I've got one, two and three on 4K. Um, and I, I don't remember if she saw any. I think I remember specifically her watching a little bit of three. I think maybe she watched some of one. Um, but I know Bride of Chucky and I think Seed of Chucky. She didn't see anything of. So we'd be watching the show and I'd be giving her like 
because what what I what I love about the Chucky TV series is that it does not um, like hold your hand like it makes many references to the long running franchise like there there are minor characters who pop up and it's like if you didn't remember who that character was from seed of Chucky, you know, it's like they like, yeah, I kind of, re- I like that. I like that about it. Like they, they really don't give a shit. Like they're like, you can keep up with this or not. Um, so like in the season two of the Chucky show, uh, the child that, uh, Chucky and Tiffany have together, the, or I should say the children, because at the end of seed of Chucky, they split off into, uh, male and female counterpart. It, it you know it just gets very very complicated. Very there's a lot of lore, but um, yeah, we love the show and uh, it's a franchise. I like the franchise overall, so I would definitely go back and uh, revisit these uh, with her, especially having continued to watch the show, which has uh, done a good job of bringing in past characters from the franchise. Yeah, no, it ha- it has a very strong fan base i don't know how large the fan base is but there it has some like very vocal devotees like chucky has fans for sure Mm -hmm. um and for me personally like i actually haven't seen that much of it um by the way i'd be remiss if i didn't point out brad your your chucky costume this year uh was fantastic you did bang up thank you thank you you and you and the missus uh the Mm -hmm. the mithrigan costume the the killer doll duo was very well executed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as for myself and like my connection to the, the child's play movies, um, I think I've only seen the first two uh, front to back. Um, I've seen snippets of three. Um, I remember being underwhelmed by what I what little I did see of that one. But when when it starts to get especially funky, um, like Bride of Chucky on and whatnot, I, I haven't even touched it really. Um, but I have heard there like there's not like a huge drop off in quality, like even even like the later sequels still have a charm to them. They still have something to it. And then they keep it like in the family by by having was it Brad Dourif's like actual daughter involved in, in the series. Yeah, um, she is great. And I mean, that in the heard. joking way and in the like legit way, like she is like when she pops up in the franchise, it, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air. She's awesome. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I've, I've heard she's great in a variety of ways. Um, but uh, on top of that, it, it also holds the distinction um, as being like this beloved horror franchise that's kind of one of the few, actually, that has a shepherd. Like it, there's one creative voice that kind of has been guiding it from day one and continues to to this day, as far as I understand. I don't. Is it Don Mancini or Mancini or something? What's yeah, the name? Mancini or yeah, however you say it. I don't actually know their name, so I'm just making it up on the fly, but something along those lines. The point is, there's been one person who's been behind, like been having creative influence on the thing from beginning to end. Um, and as you get later into the series, you can tell that it's like they they have they have an idea of where they want to take this, and it seems like they've managed in you know, the, the kind of chaotic world that the film can be uh, franchise management can be in particular, just look at fucking Friday the 13th and uh, Halloween uh, for examples of what can happen when studios get their hands into these things. It gets really messy. Um, but yeah, it kind of holds the rare distinction of being like a very long lived and beloved horror franchise that has a singular creative voice behind it, which is really neat. 
Yeah, just some of the places where they take things in the later sequels and and the show specifically, um, I think is really clever and creative. And it's just like, you know, taking this premise of a serial killer using voodoo to get into a doll. And it's like, you would think they would run that idea into the ground, but they keep coming up with new, interesting, just tweaks on that format and ways they can spin the, the magic. And like, I don't know. It's, it, I'm, I'm always pretty impressed with it. Like, yeah, you know, season one was kind of just like interesting because it was like a TV format for the franchise, but then season two brought in some new ideas and some new wrinkles. And then, uh, the first part of season three, they split it up. Uh, they had to split it up because of the strikes. But, um, the first part of season three, uh, I was really impressed with like just, you think the idea, okay, Chucky in the white house. Okay. All right. That's, that's the premise, but (laughs) why he's in the white house. Like when you find out like by episode three is amazing. I was like, that is, that is, that is awesome. Like, it's just like, you would think, okay, it's just like, all right, we're going to, where can we put Chucky, put him in the White House. But when you flash back and find out why he's there, I was, I was in. It was awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it, man. Ade Dewey Dembala. Chucky mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, do you have a favorite movie in the series at this moment? I, I mean, I'd probably say one or two, um, but uh, I I actually really I need to go back and watch it again. But I actually had a really good time with Seed of Chucky. Um, I It's definitely the most just outright comedic, mm-hmm. but uh, I don't know. It was kind of watching them all in a row. It was a bit of a breath of fresh air. Like I like Bride of Chucky, too, but I felt like that one was a little more just dated in a in a bad way. Um, or, or Seed of Chucky, I like the inter- introduction of Glenn, their, their child. Um, and uh, obviously, um, Tiffany is uh, an awesome character that shows up in Bride and, you know, is a big part of the franchise going forward. So I can't yeah. I guess I can't pick. I don't know. They're they're all too good. I mean, that's a good thing. That just tells you that a lot of them have quite a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bri- Bride of Chucky, that was Ronnie Yu, right? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious about that one because I've seen his Chinese films and Freddy versus Jason as well. And he does good work, especially on a visual level. He's a very strong. He has a very strong visual sense. And yeah, mm-hmm. the, I mean, just the addition of Jennifer Tilly is kind of a selling point for everybody. Um, but yeah, cool stuff, man. Um, I had another follow up question for you, but I can't actually remember it. So I'm just going to breeze on past that. <laughs> Senior <laughs> Um Oh, I've remembered um, the remake, Brad. Did you mm. see the remake? I did. Um, I don't I don't really consider that when I count the franchise, because obviously Don Mancini's not involved. But I did watch it last year when I went through the franchise. I did. I did re- rewatch it, actually. Um, not great, but I, I will say I love the premise of the full franchise. Like, I think it's the, the best premise for keeping this franchise going. But I do love the just the setup of the remake. I just love that it's like a disgruntled employee who basically just turns off the safety uh, devices on the AI do- or not AI. But yeah, I guess I guess, yeah, AI doll. Um, I think that's I think that's a pretty great premise. The fact that he's just like, fuck this place. And he just turns <laughs> all the safety measures <laughs> off. <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, just on a conceptual level, it made me think of Small Soldiers because yeah, how could it not? Um, pretty good movie. Um, 
But yeah, the remake didn't do much of anything for me. Um, I mean, it was neat that they got Mark Hamill to do the voice. Um, the design of the thing is sh- terrible. It looks yeah. like shit. It does look like shit. <laughs> um, but uh, the one positive, I guess, like I can say about it is I, I think Bear McCrary uh, did the uh, the score for it. He did a good job. He always does a good job. Even if the movie's not good, he shows up. Uh, but yeah, I, that's probably one of those things we'd all like to just kind of forget happened. <laughs> mm, yep. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that was uh, basically all of Child's Play. Um, good. Like, have fun with that, by the way. That's super awesome that she's on board with, like, going back, going all the way back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. To oh, yeah. Catch up. Yeah, like that's that's how you know, like you got you got something like you got right. you got to jump on that. Uh, <laughs> so um, what is it going to be for me? So we got a franchise pick. Uh, so uh, this is going to be a draw pick. This is good. So I was telling Brad uh, before we recorded, um, I actually have a physical drawer <laughs> in my living room um, wherein uh, films that have been set aside for potential viewings with the girlfriend, uh, get locked away. And I say locked away because these these movies have been accumulating in this drawer. They haven't been watched, but they've just been accumulating for maybe two years at this point. <laughs> so uh, this is a drawer pick, meaning this is one that was set aside a long time ago and to date has yet to be watched. Although I myself did watch all of these twice a piece uh, very recently. Brad probably knows what I'm talking about already. Uh, so I have here a really janky box set. Apologies uh, for Blu-ray enthusiasts. A really janky box set in a paper case. Um, it's a UK disc, I believe. Yeah, based on the le- based on the numbering, uh, I think it's from the UK. But it do- it's Region A, so it does play here. Um, of the Lethal Weapon Collection. Five disc box set containing all four films and new extra content. Uh, good, good quality extra content, by the way. Some really fun interviews with uh, Dick Donner and uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover, along with lots of other production crew and stuff. Uh, I love these movies. Um, say, what you, say what you will about uh, Mel Gibson as a human being. We all know he's kind of a shit heel. I know. But as a performer, when it comes strictly to his performances, uh, Martin Riggs is one hell of a character. And to me, that was always kind of a way that I could potentially sell these movies to the girlfriend is that honestly, when I think of the lethal weapon movies, the first thing that comes to mind isn't really action. In fact, like the, the quality of the action to me was always kind of like middle of the road in comparison to say like die hard or even like the Timothy Dalton, like James Bond movies of the day. It was always, it was always like satisfying like adequate but it was never like mind-blowing action like anything like that not like trend-setting kind of stuff uh it was always the characters and i i think richard donner's direction of all four of these movies hey another connection not only is it a franchise brad it's also a franchise that has a singular creative voice behind it maybe not in terms of writing not in terms of writing because shane black only wrote the first one and gets like story credit for the second one for dubious reasons um but richard donner did direct all four of these movies over the course of a decade um and it shows like it really does feel there's a cohesiveness to these movies that is kind of special 
Like it does almost feel like you're watching seasons of television because the performances are so the transitions between sequels feel so clean. Like the the progression and the growth of the characters feels really organic. Um, and there's just like a, a familiar familial warmth to so much of the cast and the characters in these movies that's like makes me kind of buy into the whole thing that I was saying about like how my girlfriend tends to tends to enjoy media. It's like she likes her characters. She wants to like her characters. And if she has enough attachment to those characters, she wants any excuse she can find to spend more time with them. And that's kind of what these movies are, is it's like every time they make one, you know, the prospect of a sequel is kind of like, eh, you know, maybe. But then you think about it, it's like, you know, it kind of would be cool to just hang out with Riggs and Murtaugh for another two hours. Like, how could that be bad? And And at this point, unfortunately everybody's long in the tooth to the point that's like no and richard donner is no longer with us as far as i understand i forget if that's true or not but the point is we don't need a lethal weapon five we got four of them over the course of a decade i think they're all kind of great uh third one is like the only dip to me uh, it's the only one that feels a little less than um but beyond that that's pretty much uniformly excellent um so yeah if only to introduce uh, the characters to to the girlfriend. That's that, that's something that I'd like to try. Um, it's kind of rough because if I'm being totally honest, the first Lethal Weapon is not really my favorite. <laughs> it's like it's kind of just a rush to get to two, but you, but you need one in order for the characterizations to carry as much weight and impact as they do. So it's like ah, you, you got to watch them all. It's like I know it's four movies. I know, I know that like in total, that's probably less than the length of a season of television. But for some reason, you'll rationalize that you're at, that I'm asking more. <laughs> but yeah, Lethal Weapon. Um, I did. We did all. I mostly did a masterclass of all of these. Uh, so ask me anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I'm I'm pretty um, unversed in the uh, Lethal Weapon franchise. That's definitely one I need to cross off my list at some point so uh you know maybe you gotta have me and your girlfriend we're gonna do a, a watch all, all three of us will watch them um but uh yeah it's definitely a good franchise and i was trying to think what um you know other franchises where it's had the same director for at least four of the movies um obviously indiana jones comes to mind um and i don't know if it uh if it loses points for the fifth one, not being directed by Spielberg, um, you know what I mean? So I th think it's, it's definitely best to just leave lethal weapon as is keep that, keep that franchise cred. Yeah. Yeah. Indiana Jones. We didn't need that last one. Although I, I get it. It's like, it, there's the hope that it still has the juice and it doesn't help when, you know, the, the final act is nobody's favorite. Like, mm -hmm. no, like it's very hard to to back Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as like a satisfying conclusion of that character. Yeah. Dial of Destiny. I'm not going to spoil it being as it's it's still new enough, but I did go see it in the theater. I was one of one of the few, the proud, I guess. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's it made by a competent filmmaker for sure. Uh, James Mangold is he has made very good films. I'm curious why he was chosen other than the fact that he does seem to have an affinity for the like the old gunslinger trope 
Like he has done a handful of those movies. Like Copland kind of has that vibe to it. Logan most certainly has that vibe to it. Even Ford versus for Ferrari at least has like an underdog vibe to it. Um, but yeah, I, I have not the most glowing of things to say about Dial of Destiny. But yeah, Lethal Weapon, it's like Lethal Weapon 4 is way better than than it has any business being, if, if I'm being totally honest. Like 10 years later, sequels were in, in the late 90s. I don't think especially common. And for for it to be as good of a film as it is, is actually kind of shocking. Um, in fact, if I'm being honest, maybe it's maybe it's my age talking um, being as I was roughly of the age where like our rated action movie would be a, a big deal to me at the time of its release. I think it was 98. Um, but I, I do think that that may be one of the ones I've seen the most. It's it's two and four to me. Or, uh, no, actually, that's a lie. I've seen three a lot because that was the only one of these movies that we owned on VHS because dad got it at like a library sale or something. He was like, hey, I got a random movie. It's the third in a franchise that you haven't seen any of the other ones in, but you're young, so you don't care, right? <laughs> it's like, sure, whatever. Give us an estimate. How many times do you think you've seen the Lethal Weapon 3 in your lifetime? 20, 25, something like nice. that. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> it got a lot of play in the house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really do want to get the girlfriend to try to watch these. I, I know it's I know it's a stretch. Like the subject matter is definitely like buddy cop is definitely not really her thing um i'm hoping just the the charm and characters like leo and stuff like 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 when it gets when it starts to get when the cast grows out a little bit like i said the 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 hardest thing with starting people off with lethal weapon is the fact that you have to start at lethal weapon one and if i'm being totally honest it's a very good film but it is not what it will become It, it it's a beginning like Martin Riggs is a totally different character in only that film. After that, it's it's a different thing. Um, but yeah, uh, do you think has the, has uh, your girlfriend ever seen these ones? Not that I know of. No. Um, yeah, that I mean, that'd be one that uh, it'd be good because I certainly have not seen them all. And uh, I know I'm, I'm assuming she hasn't either. So uh, that'd be a good one. Where we both could uh, do a little uh, little catching up. Catching up on cinema with the Lethal Weapon, <laughs> Lethal Weapon franchise. It, it is fun. I, I do like um, showing, like sitting down and showing a franchise to someone. Like that's I don't know. There's something about that that is that is fun. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Like that's why we do this fucking show, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because show and tell is like one of my favorite things. Um, sometimes it can yeah. be hard to convince the girlfriend to to check out some of these picks, but. It has worked out uh, very well on occasion, like le- like Mission Impossible, actually. Uh, say what you will about Tom Cruise as a human being, <laughs> but those, those Mission Impossible films and Top Gun and many other films. Um, say what you will about him as a human being, but the Mission Impossible series uh, did actually get her involved in that. Like she did actually get kind of attached to that franchise. And she was kind of asking me, when are we going to watch the next one? And that's the kind of... That's a cool feeling. Like it's it's like you with your gal and, and child's play where it's like you 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 want me to put the slasher movie in the in the Blu-ray player? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like you yeah. you're asking me to put the killer doll movie on? Wow. <laughs> that just ha- that actually just happened with uh I was I've been watching through the Saw movies 
and uh, sat down to watch Jigsaw, the eighth one. (laughs) And uh, she got roped in and it ended. And she said, when are we watching the Jigsaw 2? And I'm like, well, the next one's called Spiral. So the next one. (laughs) 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 But uh, yeah, that's next. That's next on the on the docket. Wow. She walked in on like one of the worst ones and she, and she was intrigued. That's how you can tell she's into it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll be honest, uh, not to get in off track here, but when you're rewatching all these in a row, Jigsaw actually is I I find it far from the worst. I had it as ranked as one of the worst uh-huh. and I rewatched it and I was just first of all, saw five, six and seven are some of the worst looking movies I've ever seen. Like yeah. visually horrendous. And then you put in jigsaw and it's like, Oh, this looks like an actual movie. It was like, <laughs> it's, I mean, it doesn't look like a great looking movie, but it's like, Holy shit. Like they actually took the time, like the lighting involved. Like this actually looks it. I felt like I was watching something directed by uh fucking Emmanuel Lubezki. I was like such a night and day. I was like, Holy crap. So just that alone was like when you watch all these in a row, it's like, OK, you know, you start picking up. Well, Jigsaw, actually, this one, it's actually who done it. So it's a li- it's got that going for it. You know, it's uh, yeah, I I was surprised because I had that on Letterboxd. It was a one and I rewatched it. <laughs> I, I bumped I bumped it up to a three. I, I, re- I was like, this is one of the not best, but it, it, I would say it's upper middle at least. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's been a long time since I've actually watched those movies. I have fragmented memories of working my way through them. I do remember it getting kind of soggy around the five or six territory. What What is seven called? Is that Saw 3D or whatever? I think Saw 3D is the official title still, but also known as Saw the Final Chapter. Oh, jeez. Never do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, never do that. Like, like, especially Friday the 13th. Four, four, four movies in. We're calling it the final chapter. Yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> and that, that one's funny, too, because like I had remembered in my head Saw 3D as being like one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. And it's again, it's just like you watch all these in a row and you compare <laughs> like you compare them to one another. And you're like, you know, Saw 3D is not great, but it's not the worst thing ever. Like, you know, if you if you watch it like within like just every other movie ever. Like if you're watching, you know, platoon one day, uh, heat another day, and then you watch saw 3d, it's like, okay, yeah, this is horrible. But if you're watching saw five, saw six, saw seven, you're like, you know, it's not though. It's not a half star movie. It's okay. It's all right. Um, yeah, it's like the best way to put it is it's like, you're a frog in a pot of boiling water. You don't notice that it's, cooking you alive yeah if if all you've ever had is saltines when someone hands you a trisket it's like yeah yeah exactly (laughs) yep 100 percent. okay well we can get off of franchise talk or maybe not but um i was gonna ask you um saw or final destination Mm. which of those would if you had if you were to choose to introduce one to the girlfriend which would you prefer well, I mean, I would say Final Destination, but that was actually one that when we'd started dating, she was already she'd seen them all already. That was. Oh, I, yeah, I was I was shocked. I was like, really? And she's like, oh, yeah, I, I've seen them all. I've seen all those. I love those movies. I'm like, 
she's not like that big of a horror person. So I was kind of surprised. But I'm like, cool. All right. Like, Good okay. deal. This this pleases me. Yeah. <laughs> That'll work. Yeah. I would say I, I'm I'm more of a Final Destination guy. Um, I mean, yeah. even though they're a little bit more uh, just uh, like not not formulaic, but they they just all follow the same structure. Where Saw gets a little more wacky. Um, I just think there's just more. Just the the batting average is better for Final Destination. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, Saw it's just the it's just the wacky lore. Like yeah. of all of things to get invested in a, a trashy, gory horror franchise, like I'm in it for the lore. <laughs> it's like I'm in it for the story. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Well, anyway, um, so that was Lethal Weapon. Um, so, Brad, the, I'll pass the baton to you. What is your next partner pick? Well, um, my next partner pick, let's go with uh, let's go with this one. I'm, I'm sure I've talked about this on this show before. But I did mention that my girlfriend is a big fan of the uh, the Who Done It, the mystery, and uh, did you? Let's let's do a little learning today. <laughs> what is Italian for Who Done It? It is Giallo. Giallo. That's not really what it means. That's a lie. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically it. I mean, come on now. It means yellow. Um, damn it. <laughs> yeah. When somebody said, "Well, I I talk about Giallo," and they're like, well, "What is Giallo?" and uh, you, well, first of all, I'm not like talking to, like I'm not at work talking about Giallo. Like these are like, you know, <laughs> my friends that watch movies. They're like, well, what's Giallo? And I basically just the easiest way to say it is it's just an, an Italian who done it. That's just the the broadest way to just without getting into details, just sum it up. Well, you're missing um, out on opportunity to be a snooty bastard and say it's a vibe, man. <laughs> it, it is a vibe. It is a vibe. It is a vibe. But I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Um. So, uh, my, one of my favorite giallos, I don't know if I'd say my favorite, probably not my favorite, but one of them is, uh, the bird with the crystal plumage. Dario Argento is the bird with the crystal plumage, which is his first film. And I think is just what a banger to start off his career. This movie rocks. Um, I like that. It, it's definitely one of his, uh, I'm not going to say it's his like least stylistic film. Um, cause uh, the one that comes after this, the cat of nine tails isn't quite as flashy as some of his other stuff either, but I actually think this one just, it works really well because it is a little more straightforward. Like I love the, some of the stuff he does in deep red and Suspiria and like, you know, the colors and the over the top kills and gore. I love all that stuff, but this one's refreshing because it's a little bit more of a down to earth, straightforward, you know, murder mystery slasher who done it. Um, I think there's some clever reveals in terms of like what happens, who the killer is, like some interesting stuff in terms of um, like our main character. He witnesses the murder and the whole movie. He's like thinking, man, he keeps replaying it in his head and he's like something I'm I'm misremembering something. He keeps thinking I'm misremembering something. And I think when he finally realizes what it is, he's misremembered. And I think that's, it's a pretty clever kind of reveal. And when you go back and watch the movie again, you'll see that it was there the whole time. That's I love that about Dario Argento. There's a moment in deep red, not to spoil anything, but there's a moment where the character has a revelation from when he witnessed the first murder and it flashes back and shows something and you watch it and you're like, okay, that must've been, they must've filmed that shot. They must've done that shot twice. 
because there's no way that was there the first time and I didn't see it. And then you go back and watch it and it is on 100 percent there the first time. It's just it's so quick, but so like well done and hidden that like it seems obvious when you like draw attention to it. But like when you're watching it in the moment, it totally goes by you. It's it's super clever and cool. But anyway, that's a different movie. Uh, Bird of the Crystal <laughs> Image, just straightforward, great murder mystery. Um, I don't know if there would be any issues with the dubbing. Might be. Uh, I know some people have issues with dubbing. I don't know if she's ever uh, experienced much dubbing, so that could be that could be a problem. Um, but uh, yeah, I I'm a, I'm a big fan of Argento, so um, yeah, it might be. She she has seen Suspiria. She has seen Suspiria. We went and saw Suspiria. Uh, live in concert with a uh, goblin playing the score. So that was, that was cool. And don't really remember her saying what she thought of the movie to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Never take uh, me to that again. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, it was me and Charlie, the two of us. And then um, my girlfriend and his, his girlfriend at the time, now wife, we all went. And I mean, I was just, I was, jacked i don't even I, to be honest i don't remember what anyone said about the show i was just like that was the fucking best ever i was, I was moshing in my seat it was great so uh just got sloshed on negroni and oh, yeah. <laughs> rocked out to goblin yeah hell yeah <laughs> that's super cool man yeah you you told me about that concert that's such a cool idea um to actually have the the band playing the the score live in time to the movie um that is kind of distressing though to not have a like not actually have a barometer like as to like what her reaction to the film was yeah i really i really don't remember i i, like, <laughs> I don't know if anybody yeah i think i might have been the only one who was just like vibing out so um, maybe maybe you should do your due diligence and would you pitch the bird with the crystal plumage maybe disclose it's from the same guy or the same vibe as and then see what she thinks yeah gauge yeah. the reaction you know? yeah I, I have to do that sometimes where it's like it, sometimes it's important to let them know what they're getting into otherwise it's <laughs> i mean Full disclosure, I, I, I sat the girlfriend down to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula and she still will not let me. She will not let me get past that. She's like, you fucked up. <laughs> it's like you get Ouch. to pick a movie like every so often and you pick that pile. <laughs> it's, like, it's not a bad movie. It's, <laughs> it's aesthetically. It's aesthetically pleasing. It's lights with sound. She's like, but it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I was like. It doesn't have to. <laughs> uh, got to know yeah. your audience. You got to know your audience. Yeah, I, I, I fucked up. <laughs> I, I should, I should have read the room on that one. There's no worse feeling than watching a, a, a fairly substantial movie, like you know, a two-hour movie or something, and less than halfway through, like feeling the aura of dissatisfaction emanating from the person next to you. <laughs> That's what happened yeah. to me with, with fucking Coppola's Dracula movie, which I I quite like just because I like looking at it and I like listening to it. Um, but uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage is not one that I've seen. I haven't really seen. I don't even know if I've seen an Argento film, if I'm being honest. But I know you're a, you're a big fan of his. But what a, you say that's his first film. When when did that one come out? I want to say it was uh, 1970 on the button. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
and it's definitely it's kind of very, a straightforward whodunit you say yeah it's definitely it's very hitchcock inspired but it still has all the elements that, like here I, there's a little booklet here you know like still has all the giallo elements like it's got the black gloved killer you know the pov uh kill sequences but it's it's just not as uh over the top as some of his other stuff um great score in here though ennio morricone does the score very Ooh, cool love him um yeah and it's just it, you know it it really does hit all the trademarks of the giallo genre it just doesn't go quite as like if you, if you want to show like i i think she would my, like my girlfriend would like this better because it is a little more down to earth and grounded you know, whereas uh, Deep Red has some pretty insane sequences and kills and Tenebrae has some as well. And I, and I love that stuff. But um, this one's just it's a little refreshing, even though it's his first movie. It feels refreshing in the bulk of his work because it is so uh, grounded compared to some of the other stuff. Well, it's like a progression of like musical trends and whatnot, where it's like you have mm-hmm. your you have your kind of like psychedelic stuff that turns into like proto metal that turns into like full on heavy metal or something. So it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little prog rock or something before we go heavy metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but would you say that would, would function as like an introductory giallo perhaps? Yeah, I would say if I was going to pick a giallo to ch- if so, show someone who hasn't seen any of them, I would probably pick this one. I think, um, Okay, well, that, maybe uh, yeah. that's where I need to start. Maybe, yeah. maybe I need to get ahead of your girlfriend <laughs> and check it out on my own. Yeah, I, I would just go through Dario Argento's films mostly. You know, like I think you can skip Cat and Nine Tails. That one's not great, but oh, uh, okay. start at the beginning and just kind of hit all his. Because for the first, you know, fifteen years of his career, maybe other than Cat and Nine Tails, it's they're all they're all certified bangers. So. Uh, <laughs> You know, just start there and then then you get out, you start branching off into the Lucio Falchis, the Sergio Martinos, and then you start really getting into the like, you know, you go A tier, then B tier, and then you get into the really start really dipping your toes into the schlock. Start getting into what Bruno Mattei or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, where's it? Then you, that's when you get into the, the forgotten jollies, the forgotten jollies from Vinegar Syndrome, and that's when you get into the real. Ooh, that makes these movies look like stone cold classics. Which uh, they are. Just real, great. real, real quick. You want to read off what's in that box? So this is the third one. It has autopsy murder mansion and crazy desires of a murderer. Never heard of any of them, but the nope. box is typical vinegar syndrome fashion. Quite handsome. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're forgotten. You've never heard of them. They're forgotten. They're <laughs> jolly. Yeah. They're not lying. <laughs> Well, cool. I, I, like I said, I, I should probably dip my toes into that arena, see what it's all about. Being as I was trying to pitch Kyle on it for years without ever actually having a whole lot of firsthand familiarity with it, just because, like, based on what I know of his taste in film, it's like it's like kind of audacious visual elements. He's not averse to gore and whatnot. Stylism is kind of his thing. I mean, for fuck's sake, Bram Stoker's Dracula is a movie that both of us, both he and I, like. Um, I figured Giallo would be right up his alley, just the the tropes of that genre. But Mm -hmm. as far as I know, he's still kind of a novice at it as well. Um, But maybe someday. But Bird with the Crystal Plumage officially on my to do list. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I don't have anything that can complement that. So we're going to 
we're gonna nothing bird to... related no birds no i i'm i'm scared of birds man they're weird they got they got weird they move weird in that herky-jerky kind of fashion they got the yeah dead glass eyes and stuff birds creep me out man true uh, <laughs> anyway so i don't really have anything that can complement uh an argento or a giallo film however uh theming uh i'm gonna make i'm gonna make a transition out of this brand <laughs> so you did mention that that was dario argento's first film his first direct that was his directorial debut you got it uh, so I have here in my hands a movie that I think is a directorial debut. Um, maybe not the first thing that they made, but I think the first feature film that they directed. Um, and maybe it was a co-directing gig. But anyway, um, I don't know if you encounter this, Brad, but there's a thing that happens in my household quite often where I make a lot of references, do a lot of imitations, do a lot of like vocal imitations of pop culture figures that the girlfriend <laughs> has no familiarity with. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so, so much, so much of my efforts are for not. Um, and every once in a while, I, I feel the need to like catch her up a little bit. Just be like, Hey, you know, all those stupid fucking things I'm saying all the time. Here's where they come from. Like Wayne's world, uh, kind of a really, special moment in our relationship like kind of a neat thing that she did she does a lot of neat things but um and i appreciate all of them but um she actually got us uh drive-in tickets to a screening of wayne's world uh nice. she had never seen the movie um, but she knew that i reference it on virtually every podcast i do <laughs> uh so she's like i have a feeling that this is one of your drawer movies and i'm like yeah <laughs> uh so we got that we knocked that off the list and she was the one who purchased the tickets for the drive-in theater uh, and it was a great time um so kind of similar to wayne's world i have something a relic from a bygone age of the 90s um that she has zero familiarity with but comes from a creator who while the thing in my hand may not be the thing that I think of instantly when I think of him, um, his body of work has has been with me for a good chunk of my life. And I do make a lot of references to things that he's worked on. So to dispel the mystery I have here in my hand, Beavis and Butthead, do America mm -hmm. um, from Mike Judge, uh, who, of course, created Beavis and Butthead uh, via a short animation. Uh, I think it was frog baseball i think was where their origins was or where they originated from that was a terrible sentence um, but then of course he did the beavis and butthead show on mtv and uh later on king of the hill um also beavis and butthead gave way to daria but i don't think he actually made that show uh he made the character um but king of the hill actually is largely where my connection to mike judge comes from beavis and butthead was slightly before my time like my brother was all about it i just kind of got the table scraps and whatnot um but this movie uh i my my cool uncle <laughs> everybody has a cool uncle uh, my cool uncle took me and my brother uh to the theater to go see this movie. <laughs> uh and when i was probably way too young <laughs> and i didn't get any of it Except yeah. for like some of the scatological stuff, and of course the you know the slapstick. And anytime Butthead would smack Beavis, I'd, I'd laugh and laugh and laugh. Um, but I I reference this movie count like, like all the time. I mean, one of the better podcasts I've done was with Richie from Super Media Bros podcast, 
he and I just basically just did a Chris Farley show of it, just two hours back and forth, just referencing it, just like imitating Beavis and Butthead throughout the entire runtime. <laughs> it was it was great. And to me, this movie is great. It's short. Uh, it gets a lot of laughs per minute out of me personally. And it's one that I really want to show the girlfriend because I actually have no interest in like going back and watching like all the old Beavis and Butthead. Although I have heard that the new Beavis and Butthead is not bad. Um, I'm not like super attached to these characters. I just really like this movie because my cool uncle took me to see it when I was too young. And so many of the gags have just kind of like crystallized in my brain as being super fucking funny to me personally it probably isn't it's just it got me at the right time but now like i really want to show the girlfriend this movie so like <laughs> when i say things like uh is this a goddamn <laughs> like, like, like whenever we come across a dam or something yeah she'll get the reference or when i when i say that's really not that much <laughs> like she'll get the reference so like there's so many quotes from this movie and my hank hill voice just goes completely to waste in this household because she's never seen king of the hill and never experienced anderson from this show but yeah beavis and butthead do america it's short it's funny and it would be really nice to to introduce beavis and butthead to her properly especially since her older brother is roughly the same age as me and gets all the same references as me. He and I do the shit back and forth. She's lost. She doesn't know yeah. what the fuck we're talking about, but we're having a great time doing it. And then on top of that, her little nephew, who is again her brother's son, does the Cornholio thing and calls himself Cornholio. But she doesn't know who Cornholio is or what Cornholio is. I would like her to know what Cornholio is. <laughs> yeah so i mean you're all making these references and she's just the odd woman out she just you know like uh doesn't know what the hell's going on yeah be rambling about propane propane sexuaries she won't yeah know yeah talking about. And, and seriously is this a god <laughs> that's a goddamn <laughs> just rolls right off the tongue yeah <laughs> yeah you owe it to her to show her this movie so she can just be in on the loop like Ah, my my favorite that my favorite really is it's really not that much it's like in reference to how much water old faithful shoots yeah I, i've never actually at least as far as i remember i never actually seen the movie um but i do remember um you guys reviewing it or talking about it and uh, <laughs> the, the way you sold that uh that bit that it's really not that much that's pretty good that's a pretty it's, good bit. it's I just like it's just kind of summarize it, it it really encapsulates like shithead teenage boys so yep. well like, yep. take something beautiful and you just in one sentence tear it apart i love that <laughs> that's so good uh is that a goddamn <laughs> now would you uh, think anyway. to show her like any of the show is just like a primer like an appetizer or just go right to the movie okay well we have chase keys uh maybe in the chat here so maybe maybe they'll get this reference here but um i don't think i would show them every episode like even even i'm not super familiar like i said i'm i, I was born in 87 uh, my brother's four years older than me he he was all in on beavis and butthead like he was there for it i just kind of like got his residual stuff kind of similar to uh gen one transformers like the the og transformers like 
I wasn't technically there for it, but it felt like I was because I had an older brother who had hand-me-down toys and we had tapes of the show and stuff. And speaking of movies I've seen 25, 50 fucking times, Transformers the movie is definitely the one. I didn't pull that off the shelf, Brad, because I know better. The girlfriend would have no time for Transformers the movie. Yeah. As much yeah. as I love that movie, no, that, that that's a wasted effort. I, I know that. I'm not going to try to push for that. Uh, unless she like really fucks up and I have like all the brownie points in the world to cash in. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. But anyway, to complete the thought. Um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of interest in like going all the way back and like rewatching the old MTV show like all the skits and stuff and like them lampooning the music videos and stuff but i would make her watch the plant man because the plant man is one of those special 90s music videos that anytime the subject of 90s music videos comes up meaning shitty 90s music videos that is the one that is my that is my card to play that that is the one reference i get to slap on the table that most people don't remember but it's like I remember the plant man and you're going to, you're going to watch it. The next three minutes are mine, baby. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'd make her watch that part or something like that. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's, you know, nice, nice little appetizer, I guess. Uh, you know, only three minutes long. Yeah. And, and the movie, like I said, I did emphasize that it's short. Uh, it is 80 minutes. Hmm. That's not asking too much. It's not not at all. That's a good one to squeeze in, you know? Yeah, no, really, the runtime matters when it comes to proposing sh- stupid fucking movies for the girlfriend to watch. It's like, it's right, short. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, do you have issues with comedies, though? I, I find myself not watching comedies as much because, like, at the end of the day, I'm just too tired to laugh. Like, I don't want to laugh. I just... Just yeah. especially if I watch something late at night and it's like, I don't want to be loud. Like, ah, it's just tough. Yeah, it, it's a funny thing because I, I feel like the state of comedy films right now, you've you've said this yourself, like it feels like it's a dying genre. It's probably just like economically just not viable or something just because it's very hard to sell dialogue driven comedy like to international audiences. So you're already kind of like, condensing your prospective audience for the product and then nobody wants to spend money on anything and unfortunately a lot of like top flight comedians and stuff probably carry a pretty hefty price tag that smaller production companies probably just would care would not care to pay um but on top of that yeah it's like it's not a genre that i i find myself coming to very often it it kind of feels like like Speaking of thing like relics from the 90s and stuff, it kind of feels like th- the things that are special to me on a comedic level maybe already happened. <laughs> like it's like it's already just kind of crystallized inside me and I'm not looking for more. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm kind of more interested in like generating like laughs on my own rather than receiving them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I get it. Yeah. 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 Definitely feels like even in terms of uh, television, like it seems like there's still comedy shows out there that are comedies, but they are a little bit more just, you know, like not quite as much of a straight, just like only existing for laughs. You know what I mean? Like something like the King of Queens, you know, there's not there's not much, uh, you know, artistic merit to it in terms of its filmmaking. Like it only exists 
for the laughs. Yeah. Whereas nowadays there's not as many of those like they're, you know, like something like Barry or something like that, which is, you know, a really good show. It's a funny show, but it's definitely like trying to be much uh, elevating the comedy genre. Like there's not really many just straight sitcoms or comedies anymore. Yeah, I, I don't know where that comes from but yeah dramedies seem to be more the norm and on top of that i think i think it's just i i have a lot of scattered thoughts about this some maybe someday i'll have a treatise on this or something but i feel like the way people engage with media these days has changed like there there's a, a desire for a deeper level of engagement or just depth of some sort that there wasn't a as much of a hunger for as there seems to be a necessity for now. Like people are very invested and very obsessive about like ordinary people. Like, like I'm not talking about like internet people. <laughs> like I'm talking about, I'm talking about just like your average watcher of these things. But yeah, like for me, like things like Seinfeld and, and King of Queens and stuff sit like sitcom kind of stuff purely existed just to make you laugh like that was always the appeal to me for Seinfeld is that the whole finale of that show is basically just kind of saying like yeah these if these characters existed in real life this is what it would look like <laughs> like like nothing of that show is is there's not a serious bone in that that show's body like it, with the exception of maybe like the some of the early pilot ep like the first season stuff or something um but then there's like friends or something that has like a kind of a, a ratio of like goofy laughs to like oh, moments every now and again with the Ross yeah. and Rachel stuff or something. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling at this point and borderline incoherent. So it's probably time to move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit of a stroke. Not a big deal. Anyway. Uh, so uh, that was Beavis and Butthead do America. Uh, so Brad, um, you want to do one more pick, or do you want to head straight into the speed round? I think we can do one more. We can do one more round. Why not? Okay, let's do We're it. We're having fun here. Um, how about uh, let's go with this one? This is now. This is one I don't even know if she's seen, but uh, I, if she hasn't, then it's it's a must watch. Um, you know, Scorsese. Everyone, he's 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 the talk of the town this year with his new movie out, and. Uh, there's a lot of Scorsese movies I would love to, uh, you know, do a little show and tell with. But um, one that I think would be a big hit, I think, would be this one. I think it'd be Shutter Island starring the great Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, I I know a lot of people think this is lesser Scorsese. I've always said those people are dummies. No, I'm they're not dummies. There's, you know, hey, everybody's got their own opinion, but I've always loved Shutter Island. Um I agree that, uh, first of all, I like the twist. I, on the first few viewings, I felt like the delivery of the twist was a little, like, it's not my favorite. And I kind of still agree. Like, it's kind of just a lot of just like, it's like a long scene of just explaining everything. Um, but I think it works for the most part. And the ending ending, I think is amazing. And I think this would just be a great one to show because it's, you know, dipping its toes in the horror genre like I, I would I'd probably classify it as a horror film, but it's nothing too extreme. And uh, there's obviously a great twist and uh, a mystery to it. It's not a necessarily murder mystery, but there is a mystery to figure out and uh, find out what's going on. 
and uh yeah i've i've just i've always loved shutter island um ever since it came out i know a lot of people weren't big fans of it initially i think it's kind of maybe grown in uh um people's minds a little bit like people hold it in a bit higher regard than when it first came out but i've always uh i've always quite liked shutter island yeah i haven't have not seen it myself but uh oh, i hope i didn't uh you, you spoil anything by saying there's a twist no you, you, I, I i'm on the internet enough that i i hear things you know okay so it, it's fine but don't worry about it. um but it is one that i really want to see uh if only for the cast like I, I really love the assemblage of uh, character actors that are in there. Like mm-hmm. really, that's like a whole menagerie of that guys and, and that gals where it's like, whoa, these these are like not people that you would reach for like instantaneously. But it's like when you think about like their placement in the film, it's like, oh, wow, we did a we did a really good job putting together this this cast of people with these really interesting faces that kind of. Like if if you look at how they're typically cast, it's it's kind of loaded in some way. I have to I have to assume that's very intentional. Um, but yeah, I, as soon as that one like was getting promotion behind it, I was like, oh, it's not getting good buzz. But to me, this sounds really intriguing. Like I'm really down for everything that this seems to be presenting to me. So yeah, I, I really want to go back and watch that one. Yeah, I feel like. Um, I think it was his follow up to The Departed. And I kind of feel like there's maybe I don't know, there's always this thing. And sometimes it's warranted, but not always where, you know, sometimes when a filmmaker has like their biggest success, uh, people are extra critical of whatever comes out next. And I would certainly not say The Departed is his best film, but it is what won him his Oscar. So uh, he won Oscar gold for it. So I, I suppose his follow up being this kind of really trashy horror thriller, maybe people just uh, were expecting more. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting ideas and I, I think it, it's an amazing looking film. I love the production design. Like you said, the cast is great. Um, yeah, I think I think it's an overall just awesome, awesome movie. Yeah, I mean, Scorsese, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he often has a, like a TikTok pattern, like a, a one for me, one for, or one for them, one for me kind of rhythm to his release schedule. Because like, I seem to remember silence coming out around a time where it's like, you know, I, I did like the Irishman or something. It's like, yeah, it's 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 time to do a me movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with probably Last Temptation of Christ and what Age of Innocence or whatever. Like, it kind of seems like there's there's these other projects that he does where he steps out, he steps out and does kind of something that he has noodling around in his own head that maybe he has a different kind of investment in. Um, and shutter Island, as far as I could tell, was like one of those things that's like, again, on the heels of the departed, it's probably like, I don't think this is what people are expecting or asking for from him at this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Same with Leo probably too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, such a bummer that uh, he had to come out with Hugo in 2011. Because, I mean, I tell you, if it wasn't Hugo, there, that run, we'd have Shutter Island, Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, Irishman, Into Killers of Flower Moon. Could be an <laughs> all-time legendary run. Hugo, the, the, throw the Departed in there, throw The Departed in there. Because that would be in the you, you have to, yeah, you have to. Yeah, I just uh, I don't know. 
I need I really need to force feed Hugo because I know people <laughs> really liked it at the time and it just it's fine. It just I don't know. I I get that it's you know it's a kids movie, but I I of course all are all, I know all kids love learning about these silent film directors. Just it's it's what the kids love to learn about classic uh, classic kids movie material. Yeah, Hugo was one of those movies that's like I think it was like fashionable to say you liked it, but it's like, did you actually see it? Because <laughs> I don't know that you did. Yeah, because <laughs> like I did hear good things about Hugo, but I in the wild, I very seldom meet people who have actually experienced Hugo, myself included. It's in yeah. the Criterion Collection now, isn't it? Uh, no, Arrow just put it Arrow, out. Arrow. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I picked it up. Release. I did pick it up, so I'll be be ready to revisit it on 4k but i don't know we gotta, we gotta get you a painting of martin scorsese looking down at you like yeah like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. hey buddy you're gonna be a, you're gonna claim to be a fan of my work you better get on it man you better watch yeah. you go and you better love it <laughs> i'll force feed it i'll force feed it you better watch all my new york short films yeah. <laughs> all my band's documentaries and shit <laughs> that, well, that's a whole it. other topic if we're getting into his music documentaries then yeah no that whole theory falls apart of my perfect run not that i've seen them but a future episode brad it would require more research in that it would require research (laughs) but like like outstanding runs or something like like notable runs that directors have had or stars or basically just an example of someone on a hot streak I feel like the classic is they always say four. That's the four four movie run. Who has the best like the question people pose? Because mm. um, uh, I know people were saying Scorsese had a, a really good one with his last four. Kills you, Flower Moon, Silence, Irishman and uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Like in terms of four movie run, that's pretty. It's pretty great. Um, I mean, even for a prolific filmmaker, that can be a decade. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that'd be that'd be an interesting that'd be an interesting topic because yeah, to have yeah, I, I couldn't really think of any off because it's I just bad with release dates. Like trying to think who would. I mean, I I flubbed it just then with like which came out first, uh, Irishman or or Silence. I don't fucking know. I just know what happened. <laughs> it's yeah. Like I know that much. <laughs> Give me some credit. <laughs> yeah, because I'm trying like I'm trying to think Nolan. I feel like his kind of gets screwed up by Dark Knight Rises in there. Otherwise, he'd have a really good one like. Pres- yeah. yeah, yeah. If it, if Dark Knight Rises wasn't in there, it'd be Prestige, Dark Knight, Inception, Interstellar. That'd be a pretty great four movie run. But Dark Knight Rises. Sorry, yeah. didn't quite nail it. Yeah, I mean, I I like that movie, but I would never say it's on the same level as the yeah. other ones you just mentioned. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, that'd be, that would be an interesting uh, topic. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, it would actually require research. It's yeah. Like, I don't know how I feel about that, man. <laughs> that's not how we do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe that's a project for another day. Or hey, maybe that's something you can do for the Cinema Speak podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Rope Santino into that. He's got time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. you do. If you're listening, better be listening. <laughs> you got to consume all the contents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All the Brad contents. <laughs> uh, OK, well, uh, I'm actually going to forego my last pick here in the interest of time. Uh, I got to go be sociable because I believe the girlfriend actually is home now. 
so uh, what we're going to do, uh, dear listeners, and hopefully viewers, uh, is proceed into a little something that we like to call the speed round, which is never all that fast and typically very long, <laughs> which is why we're doing it now. Uh, so essentially what the speed, the speed round is, is uh, where we basically take all the, the titles that we set aside for today's dis- discussion, um, all the ones that we haven't talked about already, uh, and just kind of run through them without as much of a as much of a discussion component. I mean, we obviously can just jump in and toss out some comments here and there whenever we feel like it. But the idea is instead of like dropping everything and talking about like doing a fucking seminar about the thing, we're just going to rush through it. So, um, Brad, uh, would you like to go first or should I just rattle off my titles? Uh, I have quite a few. I'll just disclose that up front. I, I can go first. Um, I don't have a ton. Um, yeah, I'll just burn through these. I got uh, the Criterion release of Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, not sure if she's ever dipped into Wes Anderson. Actually, that's something I need to ask her. But if uh, actually, uh, no. So actually, now, now this is coming back to me. I watched this with her, but it was when she um, was sick and fell asleep during it. And I watched it. So this one probably needs to be revisited, but it is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. So I definitely feel like it'd be one that would uh, be enjoyed by, by everybody. Um, another, a couple comedies, I guess that are, you know, must watches in terms of stuff that I've seen a million times, uh, the cable guy and Monty Python and the Holy grail, both of which we've talked about, but two oh, of my favorite comedies. You, you, you gotta sit her down for those at the very yeah. least, the cable guy and the Holy grail. It's just, that's cultural knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, like that really you you will meet nerds who will toss quotes at you from that movie. It will yep. happen, especially if, if you do trivia and stuff. Come on. Oh, yeah. And the cable guy is one that's like it's one I've, you know, been wanting to revisit and show. Um, but uh, it's, it's it's the thing where I said it's like I it's so funny. It's still such a funny movie to me that it's like I just I need to be in the right mood because I know it's going to be like a physically exhausting viewing experience because <laughs> I'm going to laugh so much. Um, so I need, I need to be in the proper, you know, mood for it, proper frame of mind. <laughs> um, this one, I, yeah, I don't think I've ever showed her uh, lost in translation, but obviously one of my all time favorites. Um, I think we'd get some, it'd be some good traction. It, it is a little, a little moody, a little slow burny, you know, not, it's a bit more of a vibe kind of movie. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, definitely the comedy in it obviously is, uh, one thing that kind of makes it a little more accessible to everybody. Uh, movie that I don't know in terms of the subject matter, how it would go over, but in terms of just watchability, gotta go with, I just dropped all the movies, uh, boogie nights. <laughs> oh, um, fuck. Yeah. 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 Just one again that you can just throw on and, Anytime, just watch I don't own it, thing. but it's on my list too. Yep. And uh, last but not least, I pulled this one off because uh, you know, just uh, it's a good kind of mind fuck, and it's a movie <laughs> I've seen a lot, uh, but I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, Donnie Darko, Donnie Darko, which um, yeah, it's it's been a long time since I've seen it, and uh, I have it on 4K here, and this is just a massive set from Arrow. It's like this bot, this uh the book that comes with it is not even like a, it's like a hardcover. Like it's, it's It's a book. It's pretty impressive. So like, yeah, shake a little peek inside. You got, yeah, yeah, not, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
I I remember this, you know, this is the classic um like you know, college kind of like dorm room, like, dude, like it's so deep. Like it's <laughs> um don't know how much it would hold up for me, but I still I, I stylistically I, I do like Richard Kelly, so I think I would still really like it. Don't know if I'd love it. Um, but I I definitely think I uh need to give this one another another poke. Okay. I actually haven't seen uh, Donnie Darko, but uh, that's some cultural knowledge that I need to obtain because uh, you're, you're right. Like, like kind of like college age viewing, like that's kind of what I think of when I think of that movie. Cause like a lot of my contemporaries were really into that movie. Like it really spoke to them like around that time of their life or their late teens or something. But yeah, yeah I, I completely breezed past it. So I don't really know what the whole, deal is but it has elements to it that i like it's like i like the jill and halls uh plural i like both mm-hmm. of them so i mean that's a selling point um and the little bit that i know about the premise sounds like it's like this sounds this sounds worth a watch like maybe maybe it won't hold up as well but it, it would be nice to know what it is just yeah. just to know um, yeah I'm, no i'm I... all about that yeah, I don't know. I, I I need to do. Uh, I mean, he's only got three films. I think I need to do another Richard Kelly. I need to go through his movies again because I don't know. They're like I kind of really like them. I don't know. I don't know why. Like they're not as. I feel like they're way. They they feel like they're way deeper than they actually are. But I think I just I kind of I kind of like the style of them. Like he's just like I don't give a fuck if you if this doesn't make sense or if you think it's weird. I'm just gonna do it. I, I kind of respect it. <laughs> what else did he do? Was it- Southland Tales was that him? Southland Tales. Wow, um, how did I remember that? <laughs> which I watched for the first time and is a, definitely a mixed bag, but a very interesting mixed bag. Um, and then his other one, uh, which I've only seen once, The Box. That one I am very because I I kind of remember liking The Box to be honest. Like it, it is weird, but it is interesting. Is that Frank Langella? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think i started to watch that but i don't think i've finished it and like what little i saw i was like i'm 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 into this like this is kind of working for me (laughs) it starts pretty like down not down to earth because the premise is you know pretty ridiculous but it starts like a pretty kind of normal like kind of weird you know just normal thriller sort of thing mystery and as it goes on it gets way more uh, richard kelly-esque okay um yeah but by the end you're like okay yeah that that's a richard kelly movie for sure (laughs) Okay, well, yeah, I I should watch. I, girlfriend tries to discourage uh, overuse of shoulds. Um, it's a bad habit of mine. Um, but it would be nice to know what Donnie Darko actually is, rather than just be like, "Oh, I've heard of that one." Yeah. Um. Anyway, good picks, Brad. Uh, Boogie Nights. I like I said, I don't own it, but it's, it. I she actually is kind of excited. Like she, the girlfriend wants to watch that one because I've hyped mm-hmm. it up so goddamn much. Yeah. Yep. Um. Okay, so I'm going to take the single here. Go away, Brad. Um, and we'll proceed to my speed round. I will, I'm will. i sorry, Brad. I will try to be fast. Apologies ahead of time. Uh, so I have here a steel book, not a thing that I have very often on my shelf. Uh, it was the only way I could get it, so that's how I got it, of uh, Oliver Stone's Platoon, um, which I'm not like a war movie fanatic, um, but... My dad was in in the Vietnam War uh, when he was very young. Uh, He wasn't shooting at people, but he was definitely getting shot at. Uh, And it was kind of a 
a pivotal moment in his life uh, that he's still, you know, attending VA meetings and stuff over. I grew up with tons of stories about it, and it's only through the power of film and like literature and stuff uh, that I'm able to kind of attempt to to grasp what what that experience was like for him. Uh, and Platoon is it's often been said it's basically it's a very fictional story. Like it's it's the story of the entire war condensed into a very short time like period of time and piled on top of a single platoon of soldiers. So it's basically like the war in microcosm. Um, and as such, it is like a very, for me anyway, and I presume quite a lot of people of my generation, it's kind of a baby's first Vietnam kind of movie in a lot of ways. It's a very good introduction to, to what the thing was. Um, clearly it's grossly complicated, um, impossible to unpack. Uh, but yeah, that movie kind of was important to me. Uh, especially early in life. My brother, too. Especially my brother, in fact. It was kind of through him that I got to see it. And it would be nice for the girlfriend to see it because it's like, you know why my dear, my dear, why my dad's all fucked up? It's not just because he's from Philly. It's like, <laughs> that's a big part of it. <laughs> but but it's also, there's some other shit that went down, too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's on the list. Uh, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Prisoners. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good, I should add that to my drawer. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, this this is a drawer pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, that is a. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Gyllenhaals, uh, or one of them anyway, I uh, I love this movie. I've seen this movie many times, and it, it never loses its dramatic punch. Just the something about the way Villeneuve, uh, the way his films are edited and constructed, his his use of kind of similar, I guess, to your like what you were saying about Dario Argento about things being in plain sight. The way he structures those reveals throughout the movie is kind of masterful. Mm-hmm. Um, very good movie. Um, maybe a bit of a tough sell, though, because the girlfriend does have issues about child endangerment. Like that is a thing that puts her in distress and not in like the I'm engaged because I'm enjoying it, but I'm engaged because this is upsetting me. Um, thankfully, that's like a if I'm being honest, it's a minor part of the movie, but that might like flip her out a little bit. But it's so damn good. It's so damn yeah. good. Uh, similarly, um, I also have uh, Sicario, but I'm going to have to knock some things over to hold it up. So apologies. Um, yeah, I also have Sicario. Only reason I hold it up now is because from the same director. Would also love the girlfriend to watch that, although that one might upset her uh, in different ways, just because of the way Emily Blunt's character is handled in that movie um, is really really like fucked up <laughs> Whereas, like, she's a passenger and you the audience are kind of in her in her boots throughout the whole thing and it's it's a very strange vibe um day of the soldado is not in the drawer <laughs> um aren't they making like Brad another one for me aren't they making another one i think so yeah i think so fuck me like like i i had a conversation with my buddy on the couch the the other day about why does this exist? And it's like, oh, it's because a lot of people saw that movie for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to get into it live and on the air, but you, you know what I'm alluding to. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. hobo with a shotgun. No, <laughs> that's a joke. Pick uh, <laughs> uh, Rambo uh, on the subject of the Vietnam War. Uh, First Blood is worth watching, probably. I don't know if I could sell her on the other ones. 
but Stallone, she knows, is kind of like a again, say what you will about Stallone as an actual human being. I, it, yes, you, all that business. But as, as an actor um, growing up, he was kind of like a projection of my dad. So Stallone, we were a Stallone household because of that. Rocky was kind of like my hero when I was a kid. Rambo, not so much. But, you know, most of those Rambo movies are all right. Um, if you brush the politics aside, uh, which is very hard to do because they're kind of joined at the hip. Uh, my neighbor Totoro. Tonari no Totoro. Totoro. One of the better uh, Miyazaki films from that era. Uh, one of the, probably the first one I saw, uh, as was the case, I imagine, with a lot of Americans. Um, my mom took me to the theater uh, when I was very young at a rinky dink mom and pop theater. To go see that movie. And it's it's a special one. Uh, very easy sell for for a couple's viewing. It's it's just cozy, man. Yeah. Um, Gladiator. Uh, a lot of people would characterize this as uh, lesser Ridley Scott. Um, but damn, the things it does well, it does so damn well. Like as far as crowd pleasing cinema goes, it it does a lot of good stuff. Um, goon. <laughs> Can't have an episode without talking Guys, about Guys, always goon. finding a reason to bring out Goon. I am the strongest champion of Goon. And what's goofy about that, Brad, is that I'm not a hockey fan. I'm from a region that doesn't give two fucks about hockey, although they like to claim that they do now because we now have a team. It's called the Kraken. A lot of people like to cheer for the team that's brand fucking new. But yeah, I'm a strong proponent of Goon, even though I don't have any hockey culture in my veins. But yeah, Goon and Goon 2. Gonna make the girlfriend watch it. It's gonna happen. Uh, just because it makes me laugh, damn it. And it's basically a secret boxing movie, which if you've been listening for any length of time, you know is a big deal to me. Uh, John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. Mm. Son of a bitch must pay. Uh, so many references. Hollow, fuck it. <laughs> like, like, so many references and just so much random bullshit. <laughs> and also just the score. Just picturing little John Carpenter just bopping around on his synthesizer and on his guitar, just like jamming out a score, watching his own movie. That has to be that like the big dick energy in that room. Just like I'm watching my own movie and scoring it at the same time. <laughs> I'm rocking out to my own movie live. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta show her his new TV, uh, his new TV series, uh, Suburban Screams. Have you checked it out? No, I haven't. Yeah, John Carpenter's got a new series out on Peacock. Peacock? I just yeah. got Peacock because I wanted to watch Survivor Series, a wrestling event. <laughs> oh, there you go. You can watch Suburban Screams, uh, the new John Carp Carpenter series. Um, it's terrible. That. It's terrible. I'm sure it is. He's been out of the saddle for quite a while. Uh, I, w I did just start watching The Continental uh, the other day. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll probably finish that next couple weeks or so. It's all right. Uh, Godzilla versus Biolante. Uh, my vote for perhaps the best Godzilla movie of its era. Probably top five best Godzilla movies of all time. This is one of the good ones, Brad. I know you're not a Godzilla expert or obsessive like I am, uh, but this one's special. Uh, this one I would very, very, very strongly recommend. Um. And I have other picks, but uh, the last one, I'm not going to rattle through all of them. Um, <laughs> you got a big drawer? 
I do. <laughs> um, I'll just uh, on the subject of Godzilla, I'll also hold up Shin Godzilla or Shin Gojira, uh, just because uh, I'm going to be seeing the new Godzilla movie uh, two days from now. Uh, Godzilla minus one. Uh, it's special like early release event in the states. Uh, very 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 hyped for that. But this is uh, Hideaki Anno's uh, Godzilla film. And the nickname in our household is uh, Bureaucracy Godzilla. <laughs> um, the girlfriend doesn't know what that means, um, but I'm really excited to show her that. But I'm also kind of dreading it um, because the subtitles in that movie move lightning fast, uh, which is a problem unto itself because we've talked about this, Brad. Your significant other, does she have control of the pause button on the remote? Absolutely not. Absolutely. <laughs> See, See, that's that's my preferred method of watching. But the girlfriend, she's she's really big on making sure she's got the plot. Like I said, narrative characters. That's why she's here. She's mm-hmm. really big on. Can you back that up? Can you back that? Chives <laughs> me nuts. <laughs> it's such a small thing, but for some reason, it, it just makes me want to freak out. <laughs> um, but um, this is despicable to me. <laughs> <laughs> I should drop that on her. See, see yeah, how that works. Yeah. Um, Shin, Shin Godzilla um, is because of the speed of the dialogue might necessitate some rollbacks every now Be and again. A lot again, of rewinding, yeah. Kind of dreading that. But on top of that, her work, which I'm not going to disclose what she does or where she works, but I'll just say that some of the humor that comes out of the movie very organically with how the Japanese politics and how their like office politics work in that movie might strike a little too close to home and might give her anxiety. <laughs> like it might really piss her off because she'll just be like oh. screaming at the television being like, why can't we just do it? <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, very, very, yeah. very good movie though. And I have hyped her up on it. She does. She does want to see it, but I have warned her ahead of time. Like this, this might upset you for unexpected reasons. <laughs> Nothing to do with the monster. <laughs> anyway, uh, that was quite a few titles for our uh, partner picks. Uh, on this edition of Tales from the Shelf. Uh, So now comes the part of the show where we say goodbye. Uh, But before we do, I'd just like to say thank you for joining me today, Brad. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great to be here. Yeah, thanks for poking me about scheduling this because I'm I'm always happy when we can get this in before the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, before we go, uh, would you care to let our listeners and hopefully viewers uh, know where they can find you and your super awesome podcast? Well, thank you, Trevor. It's the Cinema Speak podcast. Uh, we're anywhere you listen to podcasts like iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, find us on Twitter or X at the Cinema Speak, uh, Instagram Cinema Speak podcast, on YouTube as Cinema Speak, and uh, just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. All right. Um, and yeah, I, I have to assume you got some Black Friday picks. Uh, <laughs> potentially, like, I'm actually kind of shocked that you wanted to do this today because I'm like, isn't that going to eat into your your Cyber Monday time, Brad? <laughs> I've been doing a little, uh, you know, vinegar syndrome refreshing while we're talking here. Don't worry. <laughs> so all the, the whole time I'm talking, whenever Trevor has the single, Brad, Brad is just <laughs> clickety clacking. Refresh, refresh. Yeah. No purchases <laughs> have been made, but maybe a few things added to the cart. <laughs> all right well I, I really hope to hear about it on the show or on on your youtube or whatever you end up doing with it 
All right. But uh, as for myself, uh, obviously the show is catching up on cinema. You are, in fact, watching it and or listening to it right now. So I hope you know what it is. Uh, but yeah, you can find all of our Catching Up on Cinema content collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter slash X at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. Uh, so fucking Google it. And uh, that being said, thank you so much for listening and or watching. And uh, we will catch you next time. Uh, say bye-bye, Brad. Thanks bye. again.